Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Inside Sports is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Enjoy the show. Hey, Howard. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good. How you doing? Can't complain. You ever get to tee it up when you go out on those golf assignments? Uh, well, whenever I can, I try to. I mean, uh, um, it just depends on where and when. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I... You know, when I come down to you know Florida, you know when we were when we were traveling with football, I would certainly play a little golf down your way. Yeah, no, actually, I'm not th- I'm not there anymore. Where are you at? I moved up to Edgewater, New Jersey. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, family family generated move. Family what? Family move. Uh, my daughter lives in Westchester. We wanted to be close to our grandkids. Oh, okay. You guys had a place in the city for a while, didn't you too? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live as I'm chatting with Mark Canizero, columnist for the New York Post. Uh, I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm tired of seeing Joe Namath on those Medicare commercials. <laughs> I, I, let me tell you something. I think we would all... I'll, I'll, I'd sign up for Joe's life, let's put it that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> no, no question about it. And obviously the last time... The Jets were in the Super Bowl. Their only time was when Joe Namath was a quarterback in the famous Super Bowl three. Uh, you know, the people that look at Hall of Famers and they see Namath is in the Hall of Fame, it's not because of the numbers, because he had more interceptions than touchdown passes. It's because he, his victory over Baltimore in Super Bowl three uh, probably had as much to do with the uh, two leagues merging as fast as they did. There's no question. I mean, you know, it's funny when you when you look at the stats and, uh, and I mean, just even amongst the Jets quarterbacks in Jet history, you know, I mean, Ken O'Brien is going to have better numbers. Boomer Esiason is going to have better numbers. Uh, you know, and you and you wonder, well, you know, where, why the Hall of Fame? But I mean, listen, that uh, that one Super Bowl three, you know, day lives in infamy, and uh, um, you know. That's you know I don't want to say that Joe got into the Hall of Fame based on one game, but that certainly catapulted him into the you know iconic figure that he was. And it, you know, and listen, we talk about the interceptions too, though Howard. In defensive Joe, I mean, in that era, those guys were just they were slinging it all over the place. You sure. know, it was a different game back then, obviously. So um, you know, I mean, Joe had some spectacular games. But we all remember him, you know, obviously for, for you know, for Super Bowl three, and as we should. I'm at a, when I was living down in Florida. I used to play in um, a golf tournament down there for Bone Marrow Foundation, Bob Fishman's golf tournament, and he honored Joe one year, and um, and uh, I knew Joe from. I did a couple of shows with him, so he asked me if we minded. My wife and I minded sitting with Joe at his table, and I said, No, not at all. In the course of the conversation, he says to my wife, hey, when I owned that Bachelor's 3 restaurant, did you ever come to my club? 
And my wife looked at him and she said, Joe, I wasn't one of your bimbos. <laughs> well, he laughed louder than anybody. Uh, I said, I looked at my wife and I said, good for you. That was a good comeback. So anyway, you, you uh, look, Namath, Namath set a, a, a trend, not only his style and the way that, with the fur coats and the long hair and, and the lifestyle and all of that, it was, um, it, it was a great time in New York sports history. It was, you know, I mean, that, that was before my era as a sports writer. I was the young guy back then. I was, I guess it would have been about seven years old. So, I, you know, and I, the weird thing was I wasn't really a, a Jet fan back in the day. I was actually more of a 49er fan because my dad went to, went to high school with Dick Nolan, who was the 49ers coach back in the day. Huh. So, that, you know, you know how you kind of, you know, those weird ways where you become a fan, you know, um, you know, so many fans are Cowboys fans because they grew up in that era when they won all the time, you know, and, and uh, in my case, you know, it was just a connection, you know, with my dad and Dick Nolan. So I wasn't a huge Jet fan uh, or a Giants fan for that matter. So um, I really don't remember much about, you know, about, you know, the Super Bowl and Namath. I certainly remember watching Namath and watching them slinging all over the place and getting those incredibly great duels with Burke Jones with the Colts and all those, you know, those 500 yard passing days and, and whatnot. But I really don't, you know, I don't have a you know, real recollection, um, oddly enough, of the Super Bowl because I was only seven or eight years old. Uh, you wrote an article today headlined as Fire Alarm, uh, and the subtitle is Enough is Enough. Time has come for the Jets to terminate Gase. I've gone back and forth with this, Mark. Uh, I'm, after four weeks, uh, I thought uh, it would be a good idea to fire him then because they look like a lifeless team. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I changed my tune. I said, what's the point of firing him? Uh, you know, they're not going anywhere. Uh, who replaces him and all the rest? But in reading your article today, uh, I think I agree with you. I think enough is enough, and it's time for Christopher Johnson to pull the plug uh, now, the question will be, well, who succeeds him? Is it going to be Dowell Loggins, the offensive coordinator? It's going to be Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. Williams has experience as a head coach. Uh, and I just think you need to send a message to your fans. I, I do to a degree. And as I mentioned in the column, Howard, you know, I mean, I don't really look at this, you know, you know, if it's going to be done as a spark to kind of ignite this team or save the season or anything like that. But I, I just look at it as, as, a, as, a, as a step forward to looking looking forward and looking to the next thing. You know, I mean, we know Greg Williams is not going to be the next head coach of the Jets, nor is, is, is Loggins or anybody on that staff. But he at least gives you a, you know, a, a little bit of a start on looking to the, who that next coach is going to be. Now, if it's somebody, you know, amongst the guys employed by the NFL teams, obviously they can't speak to any of those guys. They aren't by enemies. And, and you know, and, and that group, you know, you know Don Wink, uh, uh, Martindale and all those guys, you know, the you know Greg Roman, he's just kind of the line of the usual suspects who will be candidates. But you know, there are college coaches that maybe they can get a little look see at, maybe you know get some feelers out, um, you know, to try to you know do their due diligence. And I just think you know, I sat there in the Zoom call with with Geese on Sunday after the Jets' eleventh loss and. It's just we're listening to the same thing every week, and it's got to be maddening for the fans. And I've gotten a lot of feedback in my email from Jet fans who are like, you know, 
why would you want to do, you know, why would you want to fire this guy? We want to finish 0-16 and, and make sure that we get the number one pick. And I get that. But as I made the point in the column, these, it's not like Gates is coaching a, a bunch of players who quit. These guys, are, they're playing their asses off, you know? I mean, they, I feel bad for them. You know, I, I root them to get a win personally just because, you know, you want them to have some reward for their work, uh, as little as it may be. But um, I just think that it's time to you know, move on. But listen, Gates just sounds, he almost sounds like co-type to me at the end, you know? It's the same refrain after every game. Oh, the guys are playing hard, you know, which they are. But I, I don't. I think the Jets fan that's worried, that, that, you know, that an interim coach comes in is going to ignite this team to a couple of wins in the last five. Yeah, he's not really been watching what's taking place. These guys just aren't any good. They don't have enough. They don't have enough talent. They don't, don't have enough depth. Obviously, Sam Darnold, which we can get into a little bit more detail, has. I think he's just shown that he's not the franchise quarterback that they they drafted him to be. So I'm not worried about it. If I'm a Jets fan, about you know Greg Williams coming in and leading to a couple of victories, you know, I just think it's just time to move on from Gase. You know, we have five more weeks, so we're going to listen to the same refrain for another five weeks. It's just time, you know. And if anything, accelerate the process to move forward. You know, that's kind of what's the point of the column. Mark Canizero from New York Post on his on the New York Jets. Uh, and uh, his suggesting that it's time, and it's I think it's past time. But getting to Darnold, to be fair, uh, Darnold did not have Mims, Perryman, and Crowder together until I think it was two weeks ago, uh, and he's had his share of injuries too, w- which is another story. The fact of the matter is, this roster is just not good enough. It's not good enough, and with regard to Sam, you know. This past Sunday was his first first and only time so far this year that he's had Perryman and, and Mims and, and uh, Jamison Crowder together. Um, but I thought what was damning to me was, you know, he was coming off two straight two weeks, you know, away from the game with his with his shoulder injury, and, and in those two weeks, Joe Flacco, you know, moved the ball, moved the offense. Now he had those those receivers, and, you know, he had the benefit of those guys. But he threw five touchdown passes in the last two weeks. Sam Darnold has three touchdown passes in seven games this year that he's played. Uh, that's alarming to me, and and he, you know, he didn't come close to getting his team in the end zone this past week, this past Sunday, with all those weapons in in play. So I thought that was damning. Listen, I think he's had, a, you know, he's been dealt a tough hand. Uh, I don't think the coaching has been great. Um, you know, he had, you know, he, he had an offensive coordinator under under. Uh, Todd Bowles in his rookie year, who had been away from the game for a few years, and Jeremy uh, Bates. Um, then Gates comes in, he's supposed to be quarterback whisperer, and, 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 you know, I don't know where that moniker has come, to be honest with you, because the only quarterback he really coached as a head coach was Ryan Tannehill, who you saw down in Florida a little bit. He was just an average pedestrian quarterback, and now that he's been away from Gates, he's gone to Tennessee, and now he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand where that quarterback whisperer thing came from, and I just think that, you know, I don't think that, 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 that Sam has been the beneficiary of a lot of sound, innovative coaching. And, uh, and the other thing is he's had injury issues. You know, I mean, he had the mono last year. Uh, he's had the shoulder this year. You know, he's, he's missed too many games, and that's a problem. And now he finally comes back on Sunday, and he's got all the receivers back, and he's missing them, and he's through a couple of really, really bad interceptions, one of which really turned, you know, completely changed the time of the game. So, 
it's just a bad combo platter all the way around. You know, they don't have the franchise quarterback. They don't have a coach. Um, they got to start fresh, but they've got some young talent there to build on. I mean, you know, you, you know, Mackay Becton, you know, was, you know, I mean, he's made an argument for himself to be one of the best, if not the best, left tackle for the game this year as a rookie. You know, the other side of the ball, you got Quinn Williams, who's really coming to his own this year, the, you know, in his second year. Um, you know, he had a sack and a half and a, and a forced fumble this past Sunday. And, and Mims, you know, we mentioned a minute ago, the rookie receiver, I think he's shown some terrific ability uh, to be a big play, big playmaker. So you've got some parts, you know, but you've just there's so many, you know, blanks to fill in right now. Uh, the biggest of which, obviously, is the head coach and, 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 and probably a new quarterback. Let me take the coaching thing first. Uh, am I right? Um, didn't Eric Bieniemy interview for the job before Gase got it? Uh, yes, he did. Um, I believe he did. He was, he was one of the many whom the Jets spoke to. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I, when I went to write this column, my office was like, you know, do you really want to endorse you know, somebody to replace Gase? I said, I don't, really, I don't really feel that I'm ready to do that right now because I just feel like there's a lot of guys out there, the enemy being one of them. And listen, the enemy is a guy that absolutely deserves and I think will get a shot in this go-round. I think he's going to get a job someplace. Um, you know, you've got other um, guys, you know, from the Andy Reid tree. You know, uh, Peter sat down in, in, uh, uh, in Philly, for one, you know, who's really had some success. And it's really time for Eric to get his shot. Do I, do I know that he's going to be a, a, a can't-miss head coach? No, I have no idea. Do, do any of us really know? I don't think we, anybody knows, right? Any of these assistants, we don't know. The, the college coaches, we don't know. Did anybody think that, you know, that Mike Vrabel was going was gonna to hit it the way he has in Tennessee? I don't, I, I don't you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't say that I didn't think he would, would be, but how do we know, you know? And, and uh, you know, right now you got Matt Rule doing a pretty good job in his first year right out of college, you know, in Carolina. You know, the Jets have just got to somehow find their right guy. You know, and I don't, I'm not professing to be any kind of an expert, Howard, as to say who that person is right now. Uh, but they've got to find him. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy, I believe, will have his pick of the litter. Uh, I think he's a hot commodity right now. <clears throat> and obviously because he's got a hot quarterback. But I think he gets the, the pick uh, to pick the job that he wants. And I'm just not sure when you look over the entire this roster that it's not a year away or two years away, maybe not even three years away. But interesting, you'll, you'll be interested in this. I had this conversation with Bill Parcells last week off the air. And I said, who, who do you think of the two most complete teams in the league, each one in each conference? He said, Pittsburgh in the AFC, Tampa Bay in the NFC. Now, he probably jinxed him because then Tampa Bay lost the following week. No, but he also said he likes Sam Darnold. He said he just needs to be in a different situation uh, because he obviously doesn't have a lot of weapons around him and so on. But he thinks he can be a good quarterback, and, and maybe he just needs a change of address. I agree with that 100%. I, I, I don't think Sam is shot. You know, I think when Mark Sanchez left the Jets, left the jet, some big reading was kind of shot. I don't see that in Sam. I think Sam, you know, would benefit so greatly from, I mean, just hypothetically, what if he went to Pittsburgh, you know, and, and was was kind of backed up Roethlisberger. So, you know, I mean, Ben's been talking about retiring for a couple of years now. You know, 
to, to, to be in that coaching system, to, to, to play behind Roethlisberger, I'm just throwing that, you know, that is one, one scenario out there. It, it, it may very well benefit Sam to sit for a year and watch and, and learn a new system and, and get completely healthy. Um, you know, Denver's another interesting situation, but if he goes to Denver, he's going to start right away because Denver doesn't have a starter at all. Right. So, but I think after, he, he's the classic guy that needs to change the scenery, no question about it. I'll give you, I'll give you another team, uh, New Orleans. Uh, because I mean, let's, let's, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Sean Payton and Parcells have a relationship, and I gotta believe they talk. And and maybe Parcells has said to him, you know, you might want to look at Darnold to succeed Drew Brees, who may be leaving after this year. We don't really know. Let's get yeah. you, you get to where the Jets are. They've lost of their eleven losses, seven have come against teams with winning records. Uh, so it's not like they've lost to a bunch of chump teams. I mean, uh, but what's what's alarming to me is they've scored twenty points just three times, twenty or more. Uh, they've scored yeah. un, they scored under ten or fewer six times. And when I hear the offensive coordinator say last week that he should have been more aggressive, well, what are you waiting for? The team is zero and eleven. I, I just don't understand yeah. him, I, he, he I, even I, saying I that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, even even if you look back to this past Sunday. You know, there were a couple of fourth down plays in, in, in Miami territory, and I'm thinking to myself, why in the world would you just not go for it? I mean, what are you what are you afraid of? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, they had a fourth and three in in the in somewhere on the I want to say a 43 yard line, or you know, it was, it was in, in Miami territory and punted. What if an 0 and 11 team punting on a fourth or three for the 40 something yard line mm. uh, in plus territory? There was another. There was a fourth and nine. I asked. I asked Gates about that. He said, well, the fourth and nine. You know, I tend not to do that. I thought about the fourth and three, but you know, I just thought it was better to go the other way. I, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'm not punting at all in any game. And they're always they're all eleven. Just keep, just keep every down. I mean, every series should be four down territory. I mean, it's ridiculous. What they you mean? You know, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And you know, you're you're referring to Logan. Uh, you know, uh, talking about. Not going after it uh, um, in the uh, what was the game? The previous game from Miami. I'm glad we lost my train here. Was it uh, Guy Jackson? I was crazy. Uh, oh, the New England game. The New England game. They didn't start going after it until later in the game, you know. And then they part, finally started, you know, hitting on some stuff. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the the uh, the Chargers game. Yes. The Charger the Charger game. I mean, they they didn't throw anything downfield until the second half, and once they started doing that. You know, and that, by the way, was the first game they had all three guys back. You know, for the first time, it just it, it just defies logic. And it really, to me, it's every every moment like this to me is another damning moment in in, in you know when you try to evaluate Adam Gase. I mean, this guy, there's nothing innovative about about anything that he does. It's I I, I don't get it. I don't I don't understand what Christopher Johnson was looking at. And has been looking at when he's when he still says that he's an offensive genius. I don't I don't get it. I mean, I, it well, doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I didn't get his timing. Uh, he did it after week one. Uh, you, yeah, that was very strange. It, it didn't make any sense to me. Why, why would you? Does he need the endorsement after one week? Um, and I, I, obviously, I thought, I thought it was a bit of show of panic. To be honest with you, Howard, when I saw when he, when I saw you know Christopher come out at that point. I mean, I. I I think what happened there was, 
I think, you know, he had, he had like a already set up, you know, state of the union thing with the beat writers at that time. And it happened to be after week one, which was, you know, a pretty sloppy loss to the Bills. And, you know, all of a sudden they're, you know, they're talking about Adam Gase. I mean, Adam, you, you can't be issuing, you know, uh, uh, you can't be issuing uh, state of the union, uh, Votes of confidence on your head coach after when you're one and when you're zero and one. I mean that to me was very very strange. You look at uh, teams that year in and year out uh, are relevant. Uh, they're competitive. Pittsburgh comes to mind. Uh, Kansas City now comes to mind. Seattle. Uh, these Green Bay. These are teams that, that seemingly have a plan. And the Jets, who haven't been to the playoffs in ten years, don't seem to have a plan. So. The problem is when you start at the top and you look at it and you say to yourself, uh, is Woody Johnson a good football guy? Is Christopher Johnson a good football guy? And that's not the problem. You don't, it doesn't make any difference if your owner is a football guy. The guy who's making the decisions, and I don't know that Joe Douglas uh, is, 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 should be given another chance or not because he, he did address the offensive line with the draft. But did he fix the problem? No, he didn't. So is Joe Douglas, uh, is his job in jeopardy? I, I can't see that happening because he, he's, he's in the second year of a six-year contract. So okay. I don't think that, I don't think there's any, any way that's happening. And I think, you know, listen, Joe Douglas has gotten a pretty, pretty free pass uh, since he's gotten here. You know, last year he hadn't had a full-off season, so we gave him the pass. Now he hasn't had a full-off season. Yes, he's done some things in the offensive line, but is it completely fixed? No. Has he drafted well? Well, you know, listen, Beckton is terrific. You know, so you got to you got to give him that. Uh, and Mims looks like he's going to be pretty damn good. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are two pretty, you know, those are two starters that he, that he's plucked out of this past draft. Um, you know, but uh, you know, at the same time, he's left this team extremely thin, and uh, you know, it, you know, by his own admission. Um, you know, he's, I think he's stunned at how bad this team is. You know, we had him on a conference call a few weeks ago, and, um, you know, it was, it was you know, he, he sounded pretty rattled about the state of where this team was, and, and he took a lot of responsibility. Um, so, you know, I think what I hope to see happen is I hope that Joe has uh, a heavy input in this new head coach, uh, more so than the owner. I, I You know, I mean, obviously, you know, Chris is going to, going to sign off on it, but Joe Douglas is a football man. He's the guy that was with the Ravens for all those years and with the Eagles for all those years, and so he has some, you know, some connections and cachet in the league. You know, the, 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 the issue to some degree with the Jets, Howard, and, and, and it, it kind of sparked me when you when you mentioned uh, uh, how the enemy is going to have his pick of litter, which I agree with you on to a large degree, is, you know, you know right now you got, you got three, well, if we're counting the Jets as an opening, which I am, um, you know, you've already got Atlanta on an, with an interim coach, and you've got uh, you got the Texans with an interim coach. The Texans have got Deshaun Watson at quarterback. That's a lot more attractive than when you're looking at the Jet roster if you're a new coach ready to come in and take take a team over. And even Atlanta has got Matt Ryan, who is on the you know on the back nine of his career, but he's still a damn good quarterback with a lot of talent and, and, and an accomplished player. So. You know, those two versus the Jets situation. Now, you can make the argument that somebody come in and salvage Sam, and, and, and that, that's not out of the question either. But, uh, you know, how, how, 
attractive as that jet job right now amongst the you know when you when you stack them up against you know the Houston Texans and the and the Falcons. And listen, there's going to be other you know dominoes that fall too when once the season's over. There's no question about it. So uh, you know, these aren't going to be the only three you know three clues looking for head coaches. The average every year is about five or six, if I'm not mistaken, in the league. So. You know how attractive that job going to be, and will the Jets be able to recruit the coach they want? You know their first their first choice, so to speak. You know that's an issue. That, you know that, that sits there, hang on the balance. You might as well throw in Detroit in that mix, also, uh, because they're going to be looking yeah, for a head coach. Detroit, I'm sorry, yeah, Detroit, obviously too. They just, they just just fired uh, Patricia. So uh, and you know Detroit's got Matt Stafford, who I think is a pretty damn good quarterback. Yep. You know, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, I'm not an expert enough to know what's been going wrong there, but that guy, you know, he's got a lot of talent, and I, I don't look at him as a guy that's broken either. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, salvaged in Detroit with a new system and a new coach or, or, or you know, or, you know, with a new, with a change of scenery. So, you know, what's the, so right now, if you count in the Jets, you've got four teams right now that are looking for head coaches. When you look at the, uh, at the, at Trevor Lawrence, and initially I thought, well, Trevor Lawrence could, you know, maybe go back to Clemson for one year. I'm throwing that out. He's not staying in school. He's coming out, uh, and and people would question why would he want to go to the Jets and, and instead pull an Eli Manning or a John Elway move and demand a trade. He's got a chance to come to New York, and yeah, the team is in bad shape right now. But it's not going to be in bad shape forever. And Trevor, La- I watched Trevor Lawrence uh, Saturday in his game. This kid, not only has he got, he, he's a big kid got a big arm he can run he looks like a smart quarterback in the way he makes decisions uh and, and surveys the field checks off a lot of receivers but I think this kid is going to come out he'll be the number one pick in the draft and right now it's the, the Jets are going to get the number one pick unless they lose a game and Jacksonville gets it but I suspect the Jets will, will not win a game the remainder of the year and they get Trevor Lawrence well then begins the effort and the task of surrounding him with people that are not going to see him get knocked on his can every week. Yeah, well, listen, that, that's, of course, the, the goal. That was the goal of Douglas this year to try to protect Sam. Um, you know, the one thing I, just getting back to Sam versus Lawrence for a minute, you know, and this is what's bothered me a little bit about Sam in the three years. I know he's been dealt a bad hand. He hasn't had a lot of talent around him in terms of offensive line has been a constant flux. Uh, obviously, he hasn't had a lot of skill position talent around him. But even with that, you just you want to see something in a guy that's, that, that puts his team on his shoulders and carries it for a game, two, three, whatever it is. And I just don't – I haven't seen that, you know. And, and when you look at – you know, I mean, look at some of these young guys that have come out now, you know, Burrow, uh, you know, the kid, you know, with the Chargers, you know – Herbert. Herbert, yep. He, 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 I mean, Burrow has been playing with a bad team, and in, 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 you know, before he got hurt in Cincinnati, and that guy's not exactly surrounded with you know with, with playoff talent, and and he was he was slinging it all over the field. I mean, he was putting up some incredibly great numbers. Same thing with Herbert in, in, with with the Chargers, even though they're a losing team, although they should be you know much better than they are. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, but boy, I tell you, I, I don't, I haven't seen that in Sam. I even look at the Giants situation with Daniel Jones last year. He had three or four games last year. He threw four and five touchdown passes in those games. I haven't seen that 
not a singer more than a game or two in, in his three years. So that's what bothers me. That that it just tells me that there's something missing there with Sam in terms of that it factor, that guy that can carry his team, that real true franchise quarterback. And that's just my opinion. I might be wrong. He might go to he might go to Pittsburgh and be, become a Hall of Famer. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? I hope he does because I like Sam. He's done all the right things. But I just haven't seen it. I, I it's I, I think it's, even though he's been it's been stops and starts with his injuries, I just think you know he has not shown that he is that he is that kind of guy that can lift the team on his shoulders. Now Lawrence, you know, if you listen to all the so-called experts and, and you and you. You just watch the eye. You, you do the eye test when you watch the Clemson games. And he really looks like he's a guy. I mean, did, did, did Sam Darnold look in, 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 at USC like he was a guy that was? He didn't, he didn't throw up those kind of numbers like 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 Lawrence has been doing, right? I mean, Lawrence just looks the part. You know, he, he's got the. He looks like he's got the it factor. Yep. And I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I. It's hard for me to make an argument to keep Sam versus drafting. Now I'm, I'm with you, but take a look at the history of USC quarterbacks. I mean, my old broadcast yeah. partner Pat Hayden did a pretty good job, <laughs> you know, with the Rams. But Matt Leinart, nothing. Uh, Mark Sanchez guy, he got the Jets to two AFC Championship games, but was it on Mark Sanchez or did he have a lot of help around him? Uh, I just the the history of USC quarterbacks is not exactly Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to you know use that to drag down. Sam, but the bottom line is, you know, the results are the results, you know, and, um, you know, we've, we've been watching Sam for three years now, and, and again, not in a great situation, I get it, uh, hasn't been built around as well as he should have been built around, built around, but, you know, it's still, at some point, you got to be able to show that you're this uniquely special talent, and Sam, to me, has just shown that he's a really, really solid quarterback who maybe thinks a little bit too much. I don't know how, I, to me, I mean, again, I, I represent, I'm not an expert. I just don't really know how well he sees the field. It, it doesn't seem to me that he sees the field that well, um, you know, and, and as a quick decision maker, you know, to, to hit those, you know, hit those 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 big play guys, you know, and, and I feel you saw it a little bit, you know, even in this past game, you know, he had some guys open and he just wasn't quite getting them. He was missing them. Mark, we began this conversation with your article called Fire Alarm, where you're basically urging the Jets to fire Adam Gase now. I completely agree with it. I don't know uh, what influence what you wrote today is going to have on the Jets. Probably probably not. But I'll be very interested to see if Woody Johnson comes back and runs this team uh, once his president decides to finally admit that he lost the election and, and, and Woody Johnson will come back from his job in England, I'll be very curious to see if the philosophy will change. I don't know when it will. I don't think any of us has the answer to that. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's been, this has been collaborative with him and Chris anyway, as you know, as time has gone on here. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like you can't make a telephone call from, you know, from New Jersey to you know, Manhattan to, to, to England or London. Uh, you know, I mean, say that Woody has not been in some way involved, I think would be, you know, naive. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 the people that think that Woody's going to come riding in on a white horse and <laughs> save this franchise, I think it's, just, you know, it's a bit delusional because, uh, yeah, I, w- I would ask the same Jets fan that may, may think that that's going to 
for herself uh, what they thought of Woody before he left. Because I don't think people thought of Woody as some sort of, you know, uh, high-powered, uh, uh, you know, innovative, great decision-making owner prior to him getting his job in the presidency, you know, in, you know, in England. So I, I, I find it a little amusing to think that people think he's going to come in and ride on a white horse and, and, and turn the franchise around like some hero. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just don't see it. You know, I, I don't know, you know, you know, he certainly will have respect for Chris. I'm sure he's not going to come in and tear apart everything that Chris has done. And, you know, I, I, I figure it's just going to continue to be a collaborative effort. In my, you know, that's the way I see it. I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think he's going to be pushing Christopher aside. And, uh, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know that how much is going to change, you know, when Woody gets here. Appreciate you know, I think the bottom, I think the most important thing for Howard is, is the, let the football man in the in the in the building, which is which is Joe Douglas. Right. Let him let him spearhead whatever's taking place here. I, you know. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. It's very hard to poke holes in what in what your take is. Mark, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, enjoy your appointment tomorrow. I know you got a little bit of a procedure to go through. <laughs> yes, I'm. Uh, I'm I've colostomy colonoscopy tomorrow, and I'm in the fasting stage right now. And I, <laughs> I'm starved already, and it's only twelve o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. So uh, I'm, I'm sipping, I'm sipping clear chicken broth right now. Either, but I've got a long day ahead still. So. Well, you stay safe, my friend, and, and thanks again for your time. Thanks, Howard. Good talking to you. Same here. He's Mark Canizero. <laughs> Colonoscopies, man. Those things suck. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. I want to get um, into the Kansas City Chiefs because there's a lot to talk about with this Chiefs organization, as good as they are, and the way that they're playing right now. And Josh Klingler is going to join me now. He's their sideline reporter. Hello, hello. Hello, Josh. How are you, my friend? Well, I guess, uh, let me ask you this. When the game was started out Sunday and the Chiefs went out to a 17-0 lead, I'm wondering, can they break 40, 45? And all of a sudden it's a nail-biter at the end of the game. I I don't know. I can't explain how the game turned around so, uh, so uh, not quickly, but over a period of time. Uh, can you understand what happened? No, you're right, because it was it, it felt like uh, a pretty comfortable win, pretty comfortable win, and then suddenly the Chiefs have to run a four-minute drill to to kind of grind out the clock and get a couple of real big conversions in that as well. And, and you're right, I thought the, the first half um, should have been a bigger lead. It looked like the, the Chiefs were cruising towards uh, 40. If you told me before the game or before the season, uh, 27-24 win in Tampa, I'd say, okay, take it. Um, sounds like a good win. Sounds like a hard-fought game. But the way this one played out, it certainly looked like it was going to be a, a blowout as this game got going. They were doing whatever they wanted offensively. Uh, the Buccaneers were on their skates. Um, uh, to me, it, it came down to a, to a, a couple of drives in the in the second half that really kind of got them in trouble. This Chiefs defense um, it did exactly what they were asked to do, which is you know keep a team in the low twenties and, and force some turnovers at opportune times. They did that. They got two interceptions in the second half of Tom Brady. 
and the Chiefs immediately went three and out, three and out on those two trips. And I thought, well, if you, you turn uh, a turnover into points back the other way at least one of those times, that game's not a one-possession game at the end. So I felt like the Chiefs' offense, surprisingly enough, in a, in a game in which they had uh, ridiculous numbers from Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Tyreek Hill, um, really was on them to, to score, especially off those turnovers, I thought, in the second half, and really left a lot of points out on the field in the in the first half as well. So good offensive number day, and there were a lot of numbers that looked like that should have trended towards a, a much more decisive victory. Josh, help me out here. I remember it was 14 nothing or 17 nothing when Mahomes threw an interception deep in Tampa territory. Right, before... Uh, yeah, they were they were they were driving and and were were going to be yeah continue to that was one of the well, I thought the first touchdown of the game in which they got a little bit cute towards the end zone and uh, went with a uh, Travis Kelsey trying to throw to Patrick Mahomes touchdown. Uh, now some of those things have worked and when they work they're great and they're fun and when they don't work you can kind of scratch your head. They didn't go on a, on a fourth and inches at the goal line and opted for the field goal on the very first drive. And then, yes, the drive that resulted uh, in the, they, they were moving the ball down the field and Mahomes uh, throws an interception and, and kind of kills the drive. Uh, you, you put sevens on the board in, in those two, and it's it's a, it's a laugher. And so they were really, really cruising. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it shouldn't have been as interesting as it was at the end, for sure. Tyreek Hill, you already mentioned him. Uh, what he did to the Buccaneers secondary – I mean, it was like, it, it looked so easy. I mean, he has 13 catches for 269 yards. That's a good game. Uh, that's a good two games for a lot of receivers. And three touchdowns, of course. And, and Mahomes, he continues to make me go, wow. I, I just, uh, I'm completely in awe of what this young player who threw for 462 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he's basically on pace now for 4,800 yards. He's got 30 touchdowns and only two interceptions. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and Tyreek Hill's evolution as well from a guy that was that was a, a, a speed guy um, early in his career. He was used a lot out of the backfield and on end of rounds, and they still do some of that. But he was exclusively looked like kind of a uh, get the ball down the field a bomb guy or a gadgety guy out of the backfield has really developed himself into an all-around receiver. Took over the uh, NFL receiving lead with that big performance as well uh, on Sunday. But but his now ability to not just be the downfield threat, not just be the end-around threat, but he can catch the slant. He can uh, he can uh, catch the ball the, at the point. He had one of those catches the other day. Um, his ability to catch with the fingertips now. He can use his body and shield despite the fact that he's kind of not the biggest of size to make catches. He makes catches and plays at all levels now in the field. Um, he is one complete receiver and has absolutely turned himself into that. And then, yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, yeah, there was a very early on, people were saying, boy, what's going on with Mahomes? And they were kind of content to, to, to run the football or take take uh, offense as it was coming to them. And then suddenly he's kind of become unlocked as well and, and having a great season and fantastic command of the offense. And then now he's, he's even drawing up plays. We've seen it now the last several weeks in which uh, now the one that didn't result in the touchdown was a play that he... And, and Travis Kelsey had designed on their own that didn't work for a touchdown, so maybe you, maybe you scrap those. But um, he's he's able to have a have a large hand now in this in this offense and in this offensive system. So he continues to evolve and surprising, you know, as it may sound, he's still got room to get better and continues to get better and continues to be hungry. And yeah, you, you shouldn't just sleep on the fact that he's 
he's just uh, uh, kind of where he's at because he is continuing to be as good as he is, continuing to be an evolving quarterback. Well, you know, the goal of the Chiefs, obviously, is to try to get the number one seed, which is going to be tough because Pittsburgh is unbeaten, and maybe they'll lose a game down the road. We'll see. But the Chiefs hang right in there. They're 10-1. and one. They've won six in a row. And they're not just winning games. I mean, they're destroying people. I, I'm just looking at some of Patrick Mahomes' numbers during the six-game streak, and it, it's mind-boggling. Just the last four weeks, he has thrown for no fewer than 348 yards and, you know, culminating with – 462 on Sunday. I, I mean, it, it was, I, I'm just, I marvel at this kid as an example. The play that locked up the game when he hit Hill with the first down to, to make sure that, uh, that uh, Tampa Bay couldn't get the ball back. I mean, he, he scrambles, he, he gets away from people, and then he finds Hill for a short gain that got him the first down, game over. That and, and his run in that drive as well, where he, he's very smart of when he takes off and runs. He's not a he's not a runner per se, but is very smart at when to go and when, especially when the play is way down the field. And obviously they're coming covering the, the deep threats that he'll take off and run on a third down and get a conversion. Had a had a play like that in that final drive where he, he slid and stayed in bounds wisely as well on a on a slide and 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 kept the clock running in that situation. Then, yeah, used his feet to come up with that play to, to Tyreek Hill to kind of close it. Um, he's got a very unique skill set. He's got a, a, a very you now smart skill set as well. He's he's really a sponge when it comes to learning the offense. And he's, he and Andy Reid, I feel like I'm almost kind of starting to share a brain, which should be scary to the rest of the league. And I've already seen it. You probably have too, just watching other football, especially at the college ranks like that right now. He's kind of ruining it for other quarterbacks because hmm. I'm seeing a lot of quarterbacks, especially on a Saturday, try to do the things that he does unsuccessfully. And I'm thinking, you're not Patrick Mahomes. There are very few like Patrick Mahomes that can can get away with some of the things that he can get away away from, um, especially with the with the arm strength. So uh, I guess much like we saw. Uh, a couple of years ago, all the young kids were trying to shoot uh, way outside like Steph Curry. You know, like, you're not Steph Curry. I think we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks right now, mm-hmm. especially at lower levels, that are they're trying to be Patrick Mahomes. And I simply would, would tell them, hey, be you. Don't be <laughs> Patrick Mahomes because he's, he's, he's one of a kind. Well, he is. Uh, talking with Josh Klingler, who does sidelines for the Kansas City Chiefs broadcasts. Uh, usually coaches say we like balance. Well, you didn't, neither team had it the other day. Neither team rushed for 100 yards. Uh, and with... Uh, Clark Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, you've got a running back that can get the job done, but it wasn't needed. Uh, the way that, that Mahomes and, and Hill were setting a standard, but, you know, late in the game, look, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. I don't, I don't care what he's done during a game. He's, we're so used to see him come up with a key series down the stretch, and he came, I mean, let's face it, they outscored uh, the Chiefs, was it 17-7 to in the second half? Yeah, and the, the run game, if there's, a, if there's a negative, and again, it's, it's a lot of NFL teams have a lot more problems than the Chiefs do, and so we feel very fortunate to be in a situation like, here are some little things they need to work on, but, but the run game is something that's still not a complete, uh, complete project at, at this point, and yes, I think they would like to strive for a little more balance in that regard, at least have a semblance of a run game you feel like you can count on. They still can't completely count on the short yardage situations, especially in the red zone. They haven't figured out exactly what's going to work. The offensive line, which again, 
everybody deals with this kind of stuff, but it's vastly different from what it was to start the season and vastly different from what they thought it was going to be overall, have taken their lumps at times. Uh, but you have two running backs, not just Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You still have Le'Veon Bell as well, yep. and we haven't seen probably, in my opinion, enough of them either in the run game or I think even especially in the passing game. I, I thought we'd see a lot more screens and a lot more plays out of the backfield for the running backs, and those just haven't been there this year. Now, the Chiefs, to their credit, have done a lot of things to take it what the defense gives them and are very content to play any number of different styles based on how they're being defended. They've really shown that capacity uh, this season, but I think that they could still do some things in the run game here in the final month to kind of shore up and make you feel better about that position um, offensively to create some balance and to, to, to close out games and to close out second halves by being able to run the football a little bit better. Josh Klingler, the uh, sideline reporter for Kansas City's radio broadcast. You didn't get to hear it. Um, I watched it and heard it, and Nance and Romo were doing the game. And I'm starting to wonder if it was a network game because it sounded like they were cheerleading for Brady and Tampa Bay. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about this, but... I will alert you to the fact that Brady and um, and Jim Nance have a, have a relationship uh, because on the air they were talking about playing golf. That Jim was talking about playing golf with Brady and his father at Augusta, and I'm saying, why would you even discuss this on the air? I mean, look, I have great respect for Jim. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not and I'm not picking on him by any stretch. Uh, I've known Jim a long time, and I think he's, you know, he's a top-flight broadcaster, and no question in my mind. But I think when, they, when, when you're doing a network telecast, there has to talk about balance. There has to be balance, and I just didn't think there was, and I wasn't looking for it. It just hit me a, across the head a couple of times, going, "Wait a minute, guys!" And particularly when, what were there three roughing the passer penalties in the game? Yeah, and when when uh, there was a roughing the passer penalty called against Tampa Bay on Mahomes, uh, Nance said, I've seen worse than that. And you can't put your hands on the helmet. It's pretty yeah. clean. You, you can't, cannot karate chop across the helmet. That is, a, that is an automatic flag. That one was a no, that was a no doubt about call. Yeah, I, but even what was more alarming than that, and I don't want to pick on broadcasts because I do it for a living and so do you, I thought the officiating was deplorable. I, I, you cannot have a game when there is, I think there were a total of 18 penalties, 10 by Kansas City, uh, three roughing the passive penalties. What Were some of the calls accurate? Of course. But I, I just thought it was so many calls that I questioned being objective, and I don't have a horse in the race. I, I don't remember seeing a, a, a drive where uh, three offensive linemen 
all had holding calls in the same in the same drive. <laughs> um, three different offensive linemen. That's what, what happened to the Chiefs on one of their uh, their second half drives when uh, that that ultimately stalled as well in the, in the second half where they went kind of cold offensively. So yeah, it was a it was a bizarre game. I know that. From a from a narrative perspective, I think we everybody wanted to make that one bigger. I, I understand the narrative of not wanting Brady to to go away, and frankly, I don't either. I think Brady has been awesome for the game, and I'd love to watch him over the uh, the course of his career. But I felt like that there was a yeah, there there's seemingly from what I've told. Again, I, I only saw a little bit of the rebroadcast. I haven't watched re, rewatched that entire game from the TV perspective. Uh, having been on the radio, obviously didn't didn't hear it live on on game day. But I think I just felt like that there's yeah, there, there's a push to like we need to make this one uh, out to be uh, bigger with the, the opportunity to, to to have this one a little bit later. I think Nance's sign-off kind of said that as well, that oh, maybe this 10 weeks are not that far away. Maybe we'll see these two teams be there again. Uh, it felt like a little a little bit of a wish and hope, at least from the Bucks end to me. Look, uh, t- uh, Kansas City's secondary has been questioned. As a matter of fact, I'll even take it a step further. Uh, I've known Bill Parcells for a very long time. Uh, and when I did the Jets games, he was the head coach. So we have a long-term relationship. And I spoke to him on the phone off the air last week, and he said, in his opinion, that Pittsburgh was the most complete team in the AFC and that Tampa Bay was the most complete team in the NFC. Um, now, at the time he said it, that was before the Kansas City-Tampa Bay game, and maybe he changes his opinion. But even more than that, uh, he he feels that that Tampa Bay's defense is not scrutinized as much as it should be. And you look at what Mahomes did to him the other day, there's some validity there. Yeah, talking to some some of uh, the, the, the Tampa Bay folks last week, I got that same impression that to start the season they were playing defensively one way and then have seemingly kind of changed their philosophy a little bit as the season has gone on and it has not been well received and obviously they've now dropped back to back with the Monday night game last week and then and then the uh, the Chiefs game on Sunday but but they were playing a lot of a lot of man coverage, a lot of press coverage early in the year, and having success, they switched a little more of a little more of a zone scheme, and had been kind of kind of chewed up. So their identity just hadn't quite been there defensively. Still, real good, like overall numbers wise in terms of you know takeaways and turning people over and 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 providing short fields to their to their offense at times. Uh, but they really have gotten chewed up the last two weeks. So um, yeah, there's there's valid questions about the Tampa Bay defense. Pretty valid questions about the secondary, especially of, uh, of the Chiefs. But I, I think it all boils down to me of the, of the front group. And if, if that front uh, four specifically are disruptive and those, that's their highest paid, basically their highest paid position outside of quarterback, they spend a lot of money on the defensive line, uh, that if those guys are going, um, it, it does provide a lot of help to the Chiefs secondary. And so, but I, but I go back to the, to the beginning of the year. Like, what are we asking this Chiefs defense to do? You have a high-powered offense that can score 30 a game. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, keep keep teams in the low 20s and you're going to be winning most football games. And then they've had the uh, opportunistic ability to, to turn people over. That did happen again the other day. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, if there's any questions about the Chiefs defense, they're giving me exactly what I would have asked for before the, the, the season started. Uh, probably not as... Uh, Deep personnel-wise, you're right, as, as the Steelers are in terms of all across the board. But uh, I think they can do more than enough and hold their own more than enough. We saw at the stretch run last year as well um, to, to provide everything you want out of, a, out of a defense coupled with 
their ability to, to score points. Yeah, well, Tampa Bay gets a break this week. They get they have a bye. Uh, the Chiefs got to go and play Denver. Now, uh, we, we know all about the disaster that Denver has gone through, but the last report is that Drew Locke, Brett Ripien, and Blake Bortles have all been tested negative. So it's likely that uh, all three will be available to play on Sunday. Well, a lot of, I, I think, you know, I can, I can almost write the motivational speech as well for, for the Broncos, right? I mean, um, uh, everybody, you're kind of a laughing stock. Everybody's mocking you because you're, you're, your team didn't follow protocol and you didn't have a quarterback and it cost you a game. Um, they're, they're, they're writing you off in terms of being any kind of competitor in the division. You're going to Arrowhead uh, where nobody thinks you can win. Um, you've got the Chiefs coming off a, a, a big win. Like, you should be able to get the best out of the Broncos this week and, and, and talk them into the fact that they could go and compete with the Chiefs. Now, can they? I don't know. But um, I think you have plenty of motivation if you're, if you're on the Broncos side. Do not do you not? It feels like that, that everything was against you, and so you turn that as, as motivation and as fire to get ready for the, uh, for the, the Chiefs this week. I, uh, I, I look at, um, at games where I don't have a horse in the race. I mean, I admire Mahomes. Uh, I, I admire talent. And this kid has shown so much ability to throw balls. When he threw a behind-the-back pass a few weeks ago, I thought it was Magic Johnson. <laughs> hey, well, in his, in his basketball game, if, if they would allow him to, to play anymore, he contends he, he, he was pretty good at playing, <laughs> playing basketball. He got banned from that a while ago by the uh, by the general manager. Don't be out playing any uh, pickup hoops. But, yeah, his skill set's unique. His, uh, his ability to throw... Um, against his body as well, um, you know, going going away from, um, you know, rolling out to the to the left doesn't appear to be a problem. Uh, not throwing, you know, with both feet set um, is not a problem, and that's what I was saying earlier that I, I think it's been bad, bad for other other quarterbacks who don't have his skills that are I, that I see um, trying to do some of those things, and you're like he's 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 just a freak. Uh, you, I look down there. I, I know that the, that. Um... Andy Reid doesn't look down the road, and most coaches won't. But after the Broncos, is a couple of road games uh, against teams that are playoff teams, the Dolphins, and then in New Orleans before they come home to play the Falcons and the Chargers. Uh, they're all meaningful games at this point of the season because Kansas City's trying to get that number one seed away from Pittsburgh, and maybe Pittsburgh will lose a game. But even if not, uh, there are teams that are, that are fighting right now for playoff positioning. And, you know, I, I look at at Kansas City and Pittsburgh, and I look at, uh, at at other teams. I look at Seattle. I look at Green Bay, and these are all teams that are the hunted. Those are the teams that are sitting on top of the conference standings. Uh, I think what's what's and, and, and you'll know this. There are the, the balance of power is with the AFC now, right? Yeah, I think I think it absolutely is, and I think it's good to have games like this coming up. I, the Chiefs are going to be favored, um, and and. Probably so in New Orleans, even assuming uh, Breeze, they've been targeting Breeze coming back for that game. We'll see, um, but you're still going to have some some games that are meaningful. You're still going to be scoreboard watching with the Steelers. They really want to still get that that number one seed and that and that buy. And I think it's really important too. I mean, uh, Kansas City's you know still one of a handful of, of places that's that's allowing fans in the stands, and it is a, it is a home field advantage even with. Um, you know, far less than the 
six thousand that can be there. You know, it's it's about twelve, thirteen thousand uh, so far in, in, in most games, and maybe come the playoff time that that's able to increase. But um, they do have an advantage uh, playing at home with fans, so uh, they certainly want to to have that in the AFC. So I think there's plenty of uh, motivation ahead for for this team to to keep pushing through and and keep scoreboard watching yet to doing their own thing in their battle with the the Steelers and, and maybe there's maybe there's some other teams to factor in. Suddenly, you know, see these three loss teams that are that are out there right now and you mm-hmm. go, Wow, there's 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 some teams that, that week to week um, could could find themselves in the mix at this point in time. So um, it's far far from over and I don't think anybody here is, is counting on it uh, you know being done anytime soon and it may come down to the to the final week for that number one seed. Well, Pittsburgh plays, as you know, they play Baltimore tomorrow, a game that has been moved two or three times already. Uh, and then they come home and they play the Redskins, which is it will, certainly a winnable game. But then they go to Buffalo. And, and, you know, the Bills have something to play for, and they're very tough. And so goes Josh Allen, so goes the Buffalo Bills. This is a good football team that can't be taken lightly. And then playing at Cincinnati, obviously, if, if Burrow is still there, it would be a different story. But then come home and play the Colts that are in a battle with Tennessee and then finish it up with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, let's face it, the Browns are playing for a playoff spot. Yeah, Browns are suddenly, there's one of those teams I was talking about, like 8-3 out of nowhere. You're like, wow, I guess I wasn't paying attention to them for a few weeks. Uh, the Bills game's massively important as well from a Chiefs perspective because um, the, the Chiefs have a win over the Bills. And uh, so... Uh, if there comes that, that t- the, all these tiebreaker scenarios that could happen at the end of the year, don't need to get into any of those just yet. But uh, AFC losses are uh, way heavily, and uh, and victories over common opponents way heavily. So uh, that Bills game is one. I'm not really counting on the Ravens. You know, I wish I'd count on the Ravens to uh, to knock off the Steelers. I don't think that's going to happen. But that Bills game, I think, is the one from a, from a Chiefs perspective that that people are looking at, saying that that could be one that 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 could factor in if the Bills are able to uh, to get a victory. That might be one that would really, really help the Chiefs. You know, it, this is interesting, Josh. I just happened to make a mental note of this. You look at the Cleveland Browns, and they barely got by Jacksonville, barely got by Philadelphia, barely got by Houston. Uh, they, they, and after, before that, they lost to the Raiders and barely beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow, admittedly, before... Uh, the week before that, they got blown out by the Steelers. So you look at that record for Cleveland, it's not all that impressive because of who they had beaten. They haven't really beaten teams with winning records. Right. But can they, down the stretch, take advantage of that, put themselves in good position in the playoffs? So they, they set themselves up right. It's on them to, to finish. And, yeah, uh, at, the, at this point in time, do you, does anybody fully trust uh, the Browns, no, I get it, um, but they put themselves in in a position with the final month of the the season ahead to to get themselves in the playoff mix, and yeah, maybe maybe the Chiefs would need them to uh, to knock off the Steelers uh, in the final game of the uh, the regular season to help out too. So uh, I think we're I think from a Kansas State perspective, Howard, we're counting on the Browns at some point in time right. to help out anybody in the Steelers schedule. I think uh, Chiefs fans are rooting for right by now. Hey, Patrick Mahomes, if you guys didn't play Las Vegas, he'd have no interceptions. His two interceptions have come against Las Vegas. Well, yeah, two against the Raiders and then the one 
this past game. So oh, right. One in each of the right. matchups with the Raiders, and right. then this past week with the Bucks, and that's right. that's been it. So he's got a great knack too. For some reason, um, you know, he throws some that you go, "Wow, that 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 could have been picked off," but aren't. Um, he so he's got he's got a little that uh, little of that luck on his side too. That that sometimes he throws uh, passes that look like for. <laughs> For ordinary, for ordinary quarterbacks, those may get picked off, and for some reason, they're not for him. But no, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but you really got to try to capitalize on him when he does. Let's look at at Patrick Mahomes. Win a Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl MVP, gets a half a billion dollar contract, buys a piece of the Kansas City Royals, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and right now, he's the favorite to win the MVP this season. Uh, and the Chiefs are as, as much a right to be considered a favorite as any team in the league in winning it again. So I want to hang out, hang around with Patrick Mahomes just to have it yeah. rub off on me. Yeah, he's not bad. And my mistake, it wasn't an interception. He had a fumble this week. That's oh, right. right. So a fumble. Still the uh, still the, uh, the the two picks and one fumble. He's got three total turnovers on the year. Um, you should know those because you count them. Yeah. Good for a for a for a guy. But yes, he is. Uh, he has had one fantastic year. Um, he's also, of course, uh, gotten engaged. Uh, they have a, a a baby on the way. Um, yeah, every he's got he's got every uh, every endorsement he could possibly want at this point in time. He's the face of the NFL. Um, he's he probably is is looking at you know being the favorite for the MVP at this stage. Um, certainly he's got a team that, that thinks they can win another Super Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, whatever whatever he's doing turns to gold at this point in time. I still see Pittsburgh and Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I see, um, and it's going to be interesting in the NFC because you got Seattle possibly, you got um, Green Bay possibly, you got New Orleans possibly, and yeah, Tampa Bay. So it's going to be a fist fight, but it's not, it's not as clear cut. And look, I'm not just no. counting Tennessee, because I think Tennessee is really a, a dangerous team to play. They can beat you in a variety of ways until you find a way to stop Derrick Henry. Go ahead and let me know how that works. But uh, Tannehill's having, uh, I mean, he's been reborn. And we saw them give the Chiefs a pretty good shot last year. The Chiefs had to, had to get a bail one out against the uh, uh, the, the Titans too, so yeah, yeah, none of them will be easy. But uh, you're right. I, I feel like the I feel like the NFC is going to be just madness. I think it's going to be great to watch because I think there's a lot of good teams and not a ton that separates them. I think the Steelers and the Chiefs have separated themselves, but again, that's no guarantee that you just advance on to the to the uh, AFC Championship game. We saw that last year. It looked like the two best teams were the Ravens and the and the Chiefs, and we didn't get that for the AFC Championship game. So um, you can't count on it but but you're right i think those two teams in the afc separated themselves i love watching the without a dog in the fight the nfc because i think i think there's a bunch of good teams and uh, it seems like week to week trying to figure out which one's the best appreciate your time josh as always stay safe all right always fun we'll check in with you soon you got it he's josh klingler sideline reporter for the kansas city chiefs and their radio broadcasts it's i mean there's so much more excitement uh that's going to be happening Let's get a hold of Steve Rabel. Hello. Hey, Steve. Howard, David. How are you, sir? Good, Howard. How are you? I uh, can't complain. Uh, are you tired from last night's? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I, I slept well knowing that they, you know, won the football game and only gave up a jump touchdown at the end and, and uh, played pretty well. Matter of fact, the game was a lot closer than I thought it would be, and that comes as no surprise to you, I'm sure. I just thought that, that Seattle so much better. Yeah, Philadelphia had something to play for. But Eagle, you know, without question, and uh, anybody that thinks that Philadelphia, you know, first of all, anybody that thinks anybody is really a bad team, they're, 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 they really aren't bad teams, and there's some that are just outmanned and outgunned and have injury situations, but listen, they're all pros, they all they have a paycheck. That Philadelphia defense is solid. I mean, they are really good. We came in really wanting to run the ball, and they did a great job in stuffing the run. And uh, happily, Russell had a good night, and DK Metcalf had a record kind of night. But uh, that front four is as good as anybody out there, and they made Russell um, nervous on many occasions. And their their uh, back end is pretty good too. I mean, they they have a, a good group of defensive backs. Uh, we kind of took advantage of them a little bit at times, but um, I'm 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 all in on the Philadelphia defense. They played well. Oh, there's no question. Uh, and, and and as I mentioned, they got a lot to play for, but. I thought that what I looked and I was wondering, was this the 2020 Seattle team or the defensive, uh, you know, what used to, what was the nickname for the Seahawks back in the day? Well, the, the, the secondary was the Legion of Boom. Right. Um, but the, the defense, they played much, much better last night. And, and um, I think it started with the ability to get pressure uh, on the quarterback and that made it a little easier for the guys uh, in the secondary but just guys playing together uh, you know we have had one time in 11 games now that the what was considered to be the starting four defensive backs played together once that was the opening game against Atlanta they haven't done that since we finally got Shaquille Griffin back after what three games that he's been out or four games actually because of uh, an injury our, our best cover guy he's finally back Jamal Adams is finally getting healthy and he showed it last night he had a whale of a game uh, last night uh, and also with the addition of guys like Carlos Dunlop and, and uh, we get Benson Mayola back so now we can really start bringing guys like two and three and four guys uh, with pressure and our defensive tackles played pretty well I thought you know overall we did a pretty good really good job on defense an exceptional job on the run. Philadelphia is a good running football team because Car- uh, Carson Wentz has had a lousy season throwing the ball. So they've had to run, and our defense really stepped up and shut down the run. I thought that was really important. And got after the quarterback, too, six sacks. Uh, you get yeah. six sacks in a game, you've done your job. Yeah, you really have. And, and uh, you know, part of that was coverage downfield. Part of it was trying to confuse Wentz a little bit with, with our coverages. And a lot of it was just, was just effort, guys. Now, Listen, I you know I know these things have the way these things happen. Philadelphia, contrary to what we have had, you know our situation in the secondary, they've had one time all season where their entire offensive line has played together in eleven games. So we get it, and you got to take advantage of that. And we did, I thought. I thought we we had uh, we had good pressure up front. Uh, guys were were we had some good stunts going. We blitzed a pretty fair amount, and we got home. You know, that was the thing that was hurting us early in the season, especially when we started to blitz a lot. Uh, against Buffalo, we blitzed a lot, and we didn't get home. And that means that now your guys are really on an island out there playing uh, in the secondary, and, and teams were just gouging us with big plays. Now it's it's going the other way. It's turning the other way. And that, that means we're getting to the quarterback, and we're either hitting him or getting in his face, knocking passes down, or like last night, sacking him. 
You know, it's interesting to me, Steve, we're talking with Steve Rabel, the radio voice of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson had, what, 230 yards last night. He had 197 against Arizona a week before. And both were wins. The two previous games to that, the loss to Buffalo, the loss to the Rams, where he had much better numbers. Uh, so I don't know what you derive from that. But look, Russell Wilson is nobody, at the, I think, at the exception of Aaron Rodgers, has thrown more touchdown passes this year than Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, what, 31 touchdown passes. And he'll take a night like last night. You know, a really efficient night, 230 yards, uh, he had some really big plays in there. A couple of plays that we missed against the uh, Cardinals the week before, he hit on last night. Just perfect passes. The, the one long pass to Metcalf down to the two-yard line was just an absolutely perfect ball. So he was he was right on the money last night, and he would much rather take that. Russell he is a he's a really interesting guy. You know, he's so smart and he understands everything. He knows everybody's job and then some, including probably the coaches, general manager, and team president. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, you know, he understands that, that what works best for the team, really, is that if he doesn't have to throw that much, he also ran a couple of times in the second half that got us out of trouble, and that was something that, that you know, he had to do too much of um, earlier in the year. We got Chris Carson back now. Our offensive line is beat up a little bit. We didn't play as well up front as I thought we should have, especially running game-wise. But we also played against, as I said, a really good defense. So uh, Russell will get his he'll get his throws, he'll get his touchdowns, and as long as he gets his wins, that all, that's all he cares about. Well, you mentioned the running game, and Carson and Hyde give you a couple of good backs. They didn't have big numbers last night, but there's going to be a time. I mean, Carson did break one last night for a touchdown, I think a 16-yard touchdown. But Hyde's a quality back, so I think you're in good shape there. Yeah, and and what Chris and, and Carlos both offer is coming out of the backfield. You know, when Chris Carson first got here, he was considered a, a runner and not such not much of a receiver. He has really made himself into a terrific receiver out of the backfield, and Russell trusts him. Russell knows where he's going to be. When he swings out of that backfield, if there's a blitz, if he's not on blitz pickup, then Carson knows exactly where to be to give his quarterback a target. And now here goes Chris running out uh, 10, 15, 18 yards. So uh, I, I, I like our running backs. We haven't even had uh, Rashad Penny with us all season long. He's been working out. He's like a week away from starting to practice with the team and then probably a couple of three weeks away from being activated. So if somebody else gets hurt, now you got the former number one draft choice coming back. He'll be a little rusty, but that's a pretty good stable of running backs. And if you're going to go into the second season, if you're going to go into postseason, I like to be able to run the ball. And I think we, we've got the guys that can do it. Well, the schedule is very favorable now to Seattle, but I, I can't imagine Pete Carroll is looking past anybody. Even the Giants come to town this week. They likely will be without Daniel Jones, who may be missing uh, maybe a week or two. Uh, with a hamstring, uh, but look, it's look. There's a good team that's lined up on the other side, and the one thing you can't predict is turnovers. So you take every team seriously. Absolutely. Um, you know, we had we got a takeaway last night. Uh, Wentz, you know, he didn't have a great game anyway, and uh, in deep in our territory, and he throws a pick in the end zone, and literally there was nobody around except our guy, and he just threw it right to uh, Quandre Diggs. So just a, a, a mistake there, and, and I got a feeling that the, the leash is going to start to get shorter on Wentz. But you're right, you can't take you can't take anybody for granted. These are all these are all professional football teams, and I guarantee you that uh, 
besides maybe knowing that we played the Giants, I, I bet Pete did not know the order of the teams coming up. Uh, he just knew, okay, I think we're home for a couple of games, and then we, we're probably on the road, and then we finish with two NFC West teams, and that's maybe all he knew. He doesn't He doesn't look ahead. Uh, he just focuses on that, that team that uh, we're talking about, uh, like right now and now, today, after they look at the film. In fact, they had a lot of time on the plane to look at the videos coming home. They're already game planning on a short week for the Giants. Um, in the AFC, I think you'll agree that the AFC's got the balance of power now. There are more teams uh, that I think uh, you would consider to be quality teams compared to the NFC. And everybody's target is to get that number one seed, and, and Seattle's not out of it. They're behind uh, New Orleans, who has one, one fewer loss. Uh, but Green Bay's in the hunt. Tampa Bay, even though they're seven and five, they're in the hunt. And Seattle is certainly in the hunt. And in the most competitive division in, in the league, the NFC West, I mean, <laughs> let's face it, the Rams are trying to get into the postseason. Yeah, uh, without question. And, and thank you, 49ers, uh, for, for helping us out uh, over the weekend, yeah. uh, beating the Rams. Uh, you know, uh, this is probably blasphemy coming from me, but when you look at the NFC, you know, you see the Saints on top of the division uh, and then the Packers. Uh, and, I, you know, I would argue that the Packers are the better team. They have a, one more loss, but I would argue they're the better team. Uh, and then, you know, we're the, we're the number three seed, or no, we're actually the number two seed right now, and the Packers behind us. But the Rams, I, I, I believe the Rams are a really good team. And until we beat the Rams on any kind of consistent basis, um, you know, I, I can't consider us to be the better of the two teams right now. The Rams are just, are just uh, really good. They have a great defense. They're playing very well. And just think about it, how much we've talked about their offense over the last few years. But it's their defense who's really playing well. Uh, their offense is making a, a fair amount of mistakes, but yeah, they're 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 just as capable of winning this division as as we are. And you know, the Cardinals they lost over the weekend, so that helps a little bit as well. We've played them twice. We still have to play the Rams. We still have to play the Niners, the final game of the season. And not exactly sure where we're going to play them, but we'll we'll play them yeah. if it's in a dirt lot in in Arizona someplace. So be it. But uh, you know, I, that's just the way these seasons are. You know. Usually teams, with the exception maybe the Steelers, don't really run away with divisions. They, they tend to stay somewhat close, and especially in the West, because I think we have four quality teams here. Yeah, no doubt. And, and a key game this week, the Rams are in Arizona in a must-win for Arizona and a must-win for the Rams. It's a game with a, with a lot on the line. It should be interesting. Yeah, and, and of course, then we have the Giants coming in here. We have the Giants, as you mentioned, and the Jets both come in here uh, one after the other. That bodes pretty well for the Seahawks. Both those teams have uh, losing records. And then, again, in the division, you just don't know. You know, division teams know each other so well. Uh, there's not much you can hide from each other. You just gonna have to go out and you have to execute. And, and as you said, you have to avoid mistakes. And that's the that's the thing that... that the Seahawks, of course, will be working hard to, to prevent those three losses that we had there at the middle part of the season all on the road. And I think we had turned the ball over ten times during that period. That, that just is unheard of in uh, Russell Wilson football. And, and it showed, you know, with the losses. And now you get back to playing our style of football, protect the ball, and, uh, and you have, a, obviously, a much better chance to win. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, argue with you on one point you made earlier. You said there were no bad teams in the NFL. The, the, the Jets are bad. I'm trying, to be, I'm trying no. to be gentle. No, I understand. The Jets are bad. Come on. Uh, they, they're you know, just, they're, they're yeah. horrible. They, they, they've, they've, got some, they've got some issues. Uh, you know, um, 
he doesn't have a lot of other weapons to go with him. Uh, it's it's tough on the psyche of a team to to you know part ways with guys who are leaders on teams. Remember, Jamal Adams was like the leader of that defense, yep. and and you know they just didn't want to talk to him, and you know he 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 made some problems pressure wise for the team and they had to make a decision and they you know they end up with a couple of draft choices first round draft choices from us but we get a guy who was the number eight overall who is just a dynamo kind of player i mean he just energizes our defense and yeah he's going to make a ton of dough here on his next contract but is he worth it yeah for what he brings to the table and now the jets see they have to they have to accommodate for that kind of loss. Um, it's it's tough for teams like that. And then you know what happens? They they change general managers, they change coaches, and now you get a whole new philosophy in there. Who doesn't like any of the players that are on that roster? And they try to change it over. And you know, owners want it done in a year, and it usually takes three or four. And that's that's the cycle of teams like that that are constantly caught in that that whirlpool of being uh, not very competitive. Well, I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson. I have been since he came into the league. I just like the way he plays. He beats you with his arm, he beats you with his legs, and he beats you with his brain. Uh, and, you, and, and you're seeing a lot, and maybe to another level, but the kid in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, uh, reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we talk about that in uh, in the broadcast at times. You know, we everybody credits uh, Patrick Mahomes with some of the throws he makes, and then we watch Russell with some of the throws he makes, and it's, well, wait a minute, Russell's been here a lot longer than Patrick has. <laughs> but, but, you know, they have things in common, and Kyler Murray the same way. Um, you know, they, they, these guys, A, they can move, they can protect themselves. Uh, Russell, not maybe as fast as the other two, but, but he's certainly adept at getting out of, trouble in, in the pocket as it starts to break down around him. Uh, and then he can he can run and, and uh, pick up yards when he needs to. But those guys all have that quick release. They have a baseball kind of release. They've all played baseball. They understand throwing from different platforms and different angles. Uh, and, and I think that benefits those guys a lot. Plus, they all have great vision. They understand what their coaches want. They understand the, the, the philosophy, the offensive philosophy they're in. And then when all things break down around them, they make everybody else around them play better. And uh, that's that's what a championship quarterback does. And all three of those teams, I think, have championship quarterbacks. Arizona's got some time yet before they build the rest of the team up around it. But they've all got winners. Well, you look at a couple of quarterbacks that are, that are amongst the – well, certainly Tom Brady at 43 years of age. And uh, yeah, he gets beat the other day. Uh, losing to Kansas City, and there's no shame in that. But Brady's having a Brady-type year. I mean, my goodness. Was he at 28 touchdown passes or something like that and only 11 interceptions? Uh, and then you look at, at, at Aaron Rodgers, what he's doing. My God almighty, doesn't he realize he's old? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, you know, for our, for our end here, Russell, he keeps talking about, well, you know, he just turned 32 a couple of days ago. I, my wife and I were talking the other day. We had a hard time believing he was 32. He seems like he's that kid that came in just a couple of weeks ago. No, he's been here nine seasons now. But, uh, he, you know, he, he's, he's seen a lot. He's played a lot of football. He has not missed a snap in his nine years with the Seahawks. Not a snap. And he's been banged around and beat up, uh, limping around at times, and he makes he, he's out there for every play. Those other two guys you were talking about, that's the thing that uh, that both those guys have in common, with one exception when Brady got hurt, you know, tore his knee up and missed the season a long time ago. Those guys are there. 
They play for their teams. They're out there week in and week out. And they know how to protect themselves, too. They know how to get rid of the football. So, you know, if they're going to take a shot, they don't take too many shots standing in the pocket. They might be on the move a little bit, but they know how to protect themselves. They're just they're just spectacular quarterbacks, and um, it's fun to watch them play. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, nerve-wracking to play against them, I can tell you that. But it's fun to watch them play. Uh, you know, and if they're looking at you from where you sit, you get to call games that Russell Wilson's in, and it's always entertaining. I mean, I remember going back to, I want to say 1998, when I was doing the Jets, and Vinny Testaverde had the best season of his career, and they went as far as the AFC Championship game. And I was looking forward to going to work every single Sunday because the team was not only competitive, uh, but they won 14 games. Yeah, it, 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 it's just so much fun. I. I, you know, when I started doing this back in 1982 is when I retired and uh, and moved into the broadcast booth first as the analyst, and then in 2004 took over uh, as you know as play by play. But so I've seen a lot of Seahawks football over the years uh, through the through the Chuck Knox uh, championship winning years, and uh, and then Mike Holmgren, and then I've seen some really rough years. I mean, we went two and fourteen. Uh, one year, I want to say it was 92, and but we had one of the best defenses in all of football, but we had nobody on offense, and everybody was hurt. Quarterbacks were guys off the street, so it was a really difficult time. Uh, you're blessed when you get to be around a team like this, under a coach and a general manager like this, and a quarterback like this that has sustained uh, victories, sustained uh, performance, and are always there. I remember Mike, when he first got here, Holmgren, saying, the key is not to get to the playoffs. The key is to stay in the playoffs, season after season. And you know from doing this as many years as you did, that's a tough thing to do sometimes. But when you get it, uh, it's just so much fun to be around. And we can't go to work, or can't wait to go to work every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever we play, just to watch these guys. Uh, let me ask you one th- thing before I le- let you go. You played the Giants this week, and they're in a battle uh, for the NFC least. Uh, you look at the records, and and obviously, I remember Seattle. What was it? Was it 2010? Was it the Seattle was seven and nine, and won the division? Yes, yes. And, and not only won a division, they won a game. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anything again? Anything can happen once you get to the postseason, and you know those guys. All four of those teams are, are having troubles. You know, certainly outside of their division, playing other teams. And then they got to beat up on each other inside the division. You know, they all have uh, are in that that quarterback conundrum. Uh, but anybody can get hot in the playoffs, and you get a game someplace, a bad weather game, and they decide to run the football and are, maybe are successful doing it. And all of a sudden, you you know, you got a ball game and uh, make a, a play or two, get a turnover. Anybody can step up. I still believe this on any given Sunday, and the Giants are capable. And I, I promise you that Pete Carroll and his team will not take anybody for granted. Well, I, I don't look. The, you play the Giants this week. The Giants' schedule is brutal. I mean, after you, their schedule is really, really tough. Uh, and Washington got to go to Pittsburgh this week. That's going to be a tough day for them because Pittsburgh wants to stay unbeaten. And Philadelphia's got to go to Green Bay. There's a tough game for them. I'm telling you, in my opinion. I think Dallas winds up winning the division. They, they very well could. And when it looked like such a disaster, 
you know, happening down there. Let's face it, you know, they they got a guy now who's healthy again. They got a quarterback who's played, who's you know been to the playoffs. Uh, he, he hasn't played particularly well this year, but they got a lot of weapons down there in Dallas. Uh, once they get it figured out, if they get it figured out right at the end of the season, it may be in time for the playoffs. Even Dallas could be dangerous now. They're going to have to go on the road uh, for the entire show, but there are teams that have done that too, gone on the road through the playoffs and ended up in, uh, in the big game. Well, Dallas got to play Baltimore on Thursday, and Baltimore is riddled with COVID-related uh, problems. 19 players on the roster, 30 in their organization, and that's why they've moved the game with Pittsburgh. Now it's going to be played tomorrow after it's been moved twice already. So, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see. But, Steve, always appreciate your insight. Thanks very much for coming on, and, and stay safe. Howard, you too. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Steve Rabel, the uh, radio voice of the Seattle Seahawks, does a great job. I, it's still four more weeks to go in the NFL season. A lot could happen. A lot can happen and will happen. You folks, stay safe. Have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube